welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 159th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 595th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, March 5th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, This week's banner moment occurred for me on Wednesday night, a few hours after the final buzzer had sounded on Indiana's 72-67 to victory over Minnesota. It was victory number 19 on the season, one that most bracketologists think makes an NCAA tournament appearance probable for the Hoosiers. After hosting the postgame show, listening to Archie's press conference, and reflecting on the victory, it hit me how happy I was for the players, the coaches, and their families. Yes, the families too. Having grown up as the son of a college football coach, I know firsthand how important of a role spouses, parents, extended family, and friends play. These folks often live, breathe, sweat, smile, and cry just as much as their loved ones who are actually in the arena. I know how happy and relieved they must have felt on Wednesday night because there was a lot of pressure on Indiana to win that game, and they did. And it was an important win for a team that is undoubtedly improving down the stretch. On February 19th, Indiana was 47th in Ken Palm and 16-9 and overall. Two weeks later, IU was 36th in Ken Palm and has a home game Saturday for win number 20 on the season. Are there glaring imperfections with this team that frustrate us every single game? Yes. But it's so rewarding to watch guys fight through adversity, stick together, and take care of business which is what Indiana has done all season. The Hoosiers have lost only one game all season long that wasn't a Tier A game, and even that was to a top 50 team. Look, the program still has a long way to go to fulfill the long-term vision Fred Glass laid out when he hired Archie, and progress has come slower than we all expected. But here's the bottom line. This season already represents a third straight step forward in the Archie Miller era, with a whole lot of basketball still to play. I'm excited to see what this group can do down the stretch, and these last five performances should give us all legitimate hope that Archie and the boys still have some more winning to do. Our team here at the Assembly Call definitely looks forward to supporting them for as many games as they have left, and I'm sure you feel the same way. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Andy Bottoms is off tonight. He is spending his time how he usually does on these evenings early in March, reviewing other bracketologist projections and cackling with laughter whenever they differ from his own. These guys are real-life idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are, Andy, especially compared to you and Coach. Uh, but here with me tonight, to my left, it is the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and in place of his theme music tonight, based on popular demand, a Twitter poll that I just put out moments before we started here, we are going to relive 25 glorious seconds from his rant during the AC After Dark portion of the Purdue postgame show, hit it. People can mischaracterize <laughs> this all they want. But when you show up in the chat room and you say, we lost this game because the coaching staff is totally incompetent uh, after winning two games and getting Christian Lander, you really show your ass. <laughs> you can mischaracterize that all you want, chat mobbers. But you show your ass when you say totally incompetent. 
You can say something is wrong. You didn't like his game plan. You didn't like his timeout. But you show your ass when you do that. That's just not right. And that comes from a coach. Uh, and oh, coach, people love that rant. Uh, that is going to get a lot of play on future episodes of the Assembly Call, I have a feeling. Uh, it's Don Sony time. What's on your mind? Wow. You know, sometimes you just say things and then you got to live with them for the next, you know, three months or whatever. When you it was like 1130 at night, I think. You know, we were all Are tired you kidding, and cranky. Coach? You should be, you, know? you should make t-shirts out of that rant. Like just like a front oh, and you. then put the whole thing on the back. <laughs> the next home field apparel shirt. You show your I, ass. Yeah. You know, uh, put me on the front and then that on the back. And <laughs> Let's do it, Jared. We, we got to work it out. We us. actually should do that. <laughs> um, you know, and, and because of that, that rant, and, and Jared, you said, it, well, everyone involved in the program works so hard, and it's nice when uh, they can get some success. And, and it's not where we want it to be yet at 19 and 10. And, and the three-year run has taken a lot longer than I thought. And and, and you've said it, and a lot of our, our fans feel the same way. But it, it looks more and more like uh, we are going to go dancing. And I, I think that's that's a step in the right direction. And as we'll talk tonight about a really good recruit coming in, that's also in the right direction. And, and I couldn't get enough IU stuff on tonight because uh, it's a happy time uh, right now. It's not a great, great happiness, but it's a, it's a lot better than what it could be. And, and I, I was really pleased as I rewatched the game, uh, busy coaching and scouting for our section. I didn't get to see the game live. But the aggressiveness of Rob Fennessy, uh, the ability to get the ball into the post in a variety of different ways, some, some ball screens and some screens uh, and the curls. And some, there's some things that have changed throughout the season. So everyone, players and coaches and everyone in there is trying to make this better. And, and that's also something that I, I believe is, is good to see. So right now, a, a lot of ha- happiness and hopefully uh, in a few uh, 10 days or so, we get to see it on, on the screen and get to see it in the, in the brackets uh, that we all try to fill out. Absolutely. All right. And to my right, he is a senior writer for the big lead. He is Race Thompson's official West Coast hype man. And he recently inspired this YouTube comment. Jared, 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 seriously, can you not do something about Phillips interruptions? Four question marks. No, Jimmy31965, I can't. I've been trying for nine years. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. The dude just interrupted his own jingle. Sometimes I'm having a bad day, and I listen to that song of you interrupting your own jingle, and it just it makes me smile every single time. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU basketball? I have one role on this show, and it's to interrupt. <laughs> uh, so no, Jimmy, that's not changing anytime soon. Uh, you know, I think that the thing that got lost, obviously I wasn't on the show last night, but the thing that, that got lost in a lot of the discussion after the game wasn't just, you know, Joey Bronx sort of rebounding and having a really good game and, and, and showing that he can still be an effective part of this team. Uh, which was great to see. And and after the first half, I kind of chastised him. I thought that, you know, he really wasn't finishing well around the hoop and he hasn't been for six weeks. Turns around in the second half, does really well. I am happy to play the reverse jinx on that. Um, but what I thought was really interesting, and I'm sure you guys mentioned it, I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the show yet, but five, the, all five starters in double figures. And, and and if you get that, I texted you this earlier, Jared, it, it, it's, if you get, that game from Al Durham, Justin Smith, and Rob Finnessy, you'll take that every single night. Forget scoring 15-20. If you get 
11 from Rob where he's got six rebounds and five assists and only two turnovers. You get 11 from, from Al and an aggressive mindset where he has four assists as well. You'll take that every time. And Justin Smith just picking his spots and going four of six from the field. And, and he took one, three, which fine. I'm fine with one, a game. If you make it great, shoot it again. If you don't, stop you know and 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 justin being aggressive and you saw the times that he scored he gets into the lane his shoulders are facing the hoop he's going towards the hoop as opposed to fading away which we've seen so much from him this year so we're just leaning back and fading away and not being aggressive that wasn't him last night he was attacking when he did get the chance but he also picked his spots he wasn't just dribbling into crowds he picked his spots made some nice cuts and then durham durham can finish around the hoop when he drives hard and, and he's focused on finishing and not getting and not just getting fouled. He hit two threes. Rob Finnessy missed a couple threes. I didn't have a problem with any of the ones he took. He got fouled on, a, on one of them. Um, and then when he's aggressive and he's looking to finish, he can, he can score from all kinds of angles. He's a really good finisher when he's actually driving in aggressively with a mindset to finish. And you saw him from the opening tip last night, really be more aggressive. And the thing is, when Indiana is multifaceted like that, and it's not just waiting for Trace Jackson Davis to do something, this is actually a really good team. And it's a team that can beat some teams. And we've seen them beat some teams. Over the last couple months, it seemed like it had to be Trace Jackson Davis and one other guy doing something on offense, whether it was Devontae Green exploding for a game or, or Race Thompson getting some big buckets or you know Al Durham hitting some shots. Like you know, It just felt like it was Trace and somebody else to do something. Last night, the whole team contributed, and it was the first time in a while, and I think that was huge considering it was a must-win game and there's a lot of pressure, and considering that there's a really big challenge awaiting in Wisconsin in the final regular season game. So these guys have to continue to build on that. This can't be a one-off. If they want to make some noise, if they want to finish the season strong and then go into that Big Ten tournament, I don't care where we're seated in the Big Ten tournament. They play like that, they can win a couple games. The question is, will they do it? Can they build on it? And and the same goes for Joey Bronk. I know he was obviously a big talking point, but can he build on that? Or is that a one-off performance against a Minnesota team that has some struggles right now? Um, you know, it, it's about the consistency and, and about everybody being a threat. That's what a team is, as opposed to just Trace Jackson Davis wowing us with some other guys picking up the slack. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's what we're going to talk about this week. Andy gave you his bracketology update last night. We'll get Coach's perspective on it, and then we're going to do a quick IU-Wisconsin preview because that game is coming up Saturday. And then the long-awaited Christian Lander scouting report. It feels like he committed two months ago. It was you know a week and a half ago, but we haven't had an episode of Assembly Call Radio since then, so Ryan has pages full of notes, and he's going to talk to us about what he sees in Christian Lander. And then we got a bunch of questions from you guys, and so we're going to answer those as well. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we get to all of that, I just want to issue a quick reminder from our friends at Home Field. Uh, they just put out a new shirt. Did you guys see the new shirt they put out today? Yes. With that script Hoosiers? No. They have, they, they have the script Indiana. This is from, I, I don't know if uh, Chris is in the chat. He can confirm. But I think it was from like 1970 or 1971 shooting shirts that they had, I think, uh, that Indiana had. It was a script Hoosiers. It is awesome. So I will definitely be getting that. But go to homefieldapparel.com because they have that shirt. They've got uh, another really cool design, kind of like a 90s-style design. And then, of course, all of the other great classic designs that they have there. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Or if you just want to go to the IU collection, you can always use the URL, homefieldiu.com. That'll take you right there. And then use that promo code ASSEMBLY20. 
uh, Assembly 2-0, that'll give you 20% off your entire order. But definitely check out uh, that new Hoosiers logo because it is really, really cool. Uh, homefieldiu.com. Okay. Um, let's start. Uh, Coach Jeff, our buddy Jeff Marlowe from, uh, from the community, he asked the question everybody's thinking, where do you think IU currently sits in regard to the NCAA tournament? What do you and the Delphi Bracketology team think right now? Uh, Indiana, either as a 9 or a 10, we have them as a 9. We put more emphasis on the quality of the resume, and we feel the losses, the worst losses to 41 Arkansas. Uh, I th- and, and we just think that speaks well of, of who you played. Now, those losses have been ugly at times, and if the committee says losing to Michigan like they did and at Maryland, that, that's indicative of how they play, and that's part of the metrics issue as well. Uh, then you could see Indiana maybe be a, a, a 10 seed. But when you compare them to the teams around them, Florida, Oklahoma, Arizona State, USC, the wins are better and the losses are better o- overall. They don't have as many um, you know, blemishes outside of the top 50 as the other teams. Uh, and that's the hard part. I can tell you what I think, but I, I, it's those 10 people in the committee room that are really going to make the difference. But I think you'll see Indiana as a 9 or a 10 uh, and I think they're further, you know, far enough away that uh, bid thieves and some teams making runs uh, that are currently out aren't going to damage uh, Indiana. Uh, you do worry about that uh, 11-14 game if they get slotted there, that that could hurt with a loss. Uh, but let's go win it. And But uh, a win against Wisconsin and, and Indiana's in no matter what. Yeah. So just try to avoid losing out, obviously, and then if you, you know if, if you can beat Wisconsin, then you're playing the Big Ten tournament for seeding, basically, you know, Correct. and it's and it's kind of gravy. So, and you know, if you want to know those scenarios, Michigan beat Nebraska uh, earlier tonight, I think, so that removes that very very unlikely scenario. So basically, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's one scenario for Indiana to get out of that Wednesday game. We have to beat Wisconsin. Purdue has to lose at home to Rutgers. If that happens, Purdue's nine and eleven. We're ten and ten. And we are above them. If we're tied, obviously they, you know, they have the tiebreaker over us. So that's the only Honestly, way. Honestly, the easier path might be to be on the first day. I mean, I, well, I also mean, because frankly, it would slot us against Iowa potentially right. with how things look right now. And you know, facing a Fran McCaffrey team in late February or March is never a and never a bad thing. So you have a chance to pick up the extra victory. I mean, if you're not expecting to win the tournament, you have the chance to pick up the extra victory against Nebraska. If that's I just, how don't, it lines I just up. don't think that's going to actually do anything for you. I, I know, but you know, it gets you. It might. It might be something. Let's say you lose to Wisconsin. It might get you to twenty wins, and yeah. then you know, you that looks better than nineteen, and then you can roll. So I, I, I agree. I, I just think that there. I've seen a lot of the scenarios where Indiana winds up getting that by, and the, the path doesn't look as ap- appealing as to play on that first day, unless you feel like you're going to win it and you do, and you need the extra day, uh, you know, for rest or whatever. But I. You know, I, I think that it's really not a terrible thing if Indiana plays that first night against a bad team. It can it can notch another win. No, we know that wins are important, uh, yeah. as we saw last year. It's not, and, and most uh, and most of the teams are in by the time the tournament starts. Anyway, it is playing right. for seeding. It's down to a couple teams that make that deep run, or if Indiana were right in that last four, yeah, then that then those games do become important and maybe winning a Wednesday game w- would help. But I think Indiana's safe enough away from that scenario that, um, you know, unless they just lose twice and everyone else goes crazy, I, I think uh, it's it's almost, it's not a lock, but it's it's pretty comfortable. Steven asks, what does IU have to do to make a run in the Big Ten tournament? <laughs> 
uh, you know, end whatever curse is killing us in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, here's not here's the hope. Coach Knight came back. You know, that people have speculated that maybe there's a whole Big Ten tournament curse because of, you know, Coach Knight hated the Big Ten tournament and all that stuff. So, you know, it's as good of a hypothesis as any given our history in the Big Ten tournament. So, no, what needs to happen, he said, who do you think has to step up? I think everything that Ryan talked about needs to happen, and then Devontae needs to go out and make shots for a few days in a row. And if that happens, we can make a run. Um, All right, guys, let's talk real quick about Wisconsin. What an interesting season they have had. They were six and six, and you know they've had addition by addition, and it seems like addition by subtraction because Micah Potter, who was a transfer who did not play in that first game, has come back and been outstanding for them. You know he's using almost thirty percent of possessions. He's grabbing thirty percent of the defensive rebounds when he's on the court. He's really efficient. He has been really good. And then Kobe King, obviously transferred, he was their leading scorer in Big Ten play, and that hasn't hurt him at all because they have won seven games in a row. You know, now it's worth noting that in this win streak for Wisconsin, they've beaten Nebraska, they've beaten Northwestern, they've beaten Minnesota, and they beat Rutgers at home. Which, you know, look, though you know, you have to win those games and obviously winning seven games in a row in at any time in the Big 10 is impressive, but it's not like they've gone up against a murderer's row. And I say that just to say, yeah, they've won seven in a row, but that win this has been maybe one of the softer schedule, you know, runs of teams you can get in Big Ten play. So they're going to be really good, though. And they've beaten good teams on the road. They have veteran guards. They shoot a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. Coach, what do you think are the keys? You know, besides the obvious stuff when you play a home game, what are going to be the keys for Indiana to beat Wisconsin Saturday? Well, I, I think they have to keep playing solid defense, and the matchups have to be uh, really watched. Um you know, there's concern with the post players and guarding Wisconsin's action and what happened in the first game, and that's going to be key to watch. Uh, if you know, can, who's Joey Brunk going to guard, and can he guard uh, uh, the type of action that Wisconsin is going to put forth? I, I, I think that's, that really that's, hurt them in the first game. Yeah, I think that's just vital because Wisconsin right now is on a a hot streak of shooting, and and it's just going to be hard, and they space the floor uh, with, with their actions, and you've got to be able to cover a lot of people, and you can't overhelp. And so I think they pose uh, an interesting type of style for Indiana at this point, and it's just going to come down come down to defense because I think Indiana uh, can score uh, on, on Wisconsin. I don't think they're like some great defensive team necessarily, but, you know, you – you know, they can't go in those droughts, but to me, it's going to be what kind of defense does IU play collectively and individually who can win the matchups and at least be 50-50 if there is a tough matchup. So I'm going to be watching to see who guards who and how well or how poor they do uh, early in the first half. Important to also remember, Rob Finnessy did not play in that game. Armand Franklin started. Demise Anderson played 20 minutes. So just like Wisconsin's a much different team, we are a much different team now. It's a different roster yeah Yeah. and and look i i think that the key here is the two things that indiana struggled against are good three-point shooting uh when teams just light them up from the perimeter and then mobile big men who play inside out and those are two things that they've struggled with i would expect race thompson to get a lot of minutes in this game even if he's not doing much offensively just because nate reavers is a guy who can step out on the floor and hit a shot and he did that against them and reavers i think scored 20 against them in uh, in December. And he was the key. He got them started early and Wisconsin got on a roll and Indiana never recovered. And, and Indiana did 
something that they've done at times, and that is they let a guy get comfortable. They let a team get comfortable shooting. They get into a rhythm, and if that happens at Assembly Hall, that's bad news. If a team gets comfortable shooting at Assembly Hall, that's bad news for Indiana because Indiana's defense is meant to stop the drive, not meant to stop. They're, they're meant to force players out, and, and they'll welcome sh- contested jumpers. And If you're making contested jumpers against Indiana, especially this time of year, you're more than likely going to win. And so the key for Indiana is to close out to shooters under control without fouling and never let them get comfortable. And and that did not happen when they played Wisconsin earlier in the season. And that was a runaway from the very beginning. It felt like a runaway from the very beginning. It just felt like Indiana was never in the game. Yeah, I agree. Race is going to have to play some. They might have to play small with Justin at the four and have Hunter in there to cover some of the action of Wisconsin. And, and you know, Joey got the game ball and, and did some good things, but sometimes you're better matched up. It's a bad matchup. And then other times it's a bad matchup. It might be a bad matchup, and I, I might believe that his uh, minutes might be a little limited um, on Saturday. Here's what I'll say, though. The, the, the problem with having Joey out there, and Joey's going to start. He's started all year. We know that's not going to change, and, and Archie Miller addressed the starting lineup in his post-game press conference. And what a he great said, answer, too. Yeah, it made sense. And, and here's the thing. You cannot let Reavers get started, and, and that was what happened in Wisconsin. So he's going to start Joey Bronk. Does he put Trace Jackson Davis on Reavers when he moves out to the perimeter? Do they do something else? Do they have some help on him? What do they do? And how do they how do they compensate for that? Because Reavers getting going early was what got Wisconsin going early uh, when they played the first time. And Kobe and for, King, Kobe King scored twenty four points that game too, and he won't be there. He did. And, and Indiana's got to get their dudes going. They got to right. go inside Agreed. and make Reavers and Potter guard. Uh, and you know you never can count on foul trouble either. But it is our home court, uh, and you know everyone thinks we got a reputation. So let's call it in for one game and. Get those guys on the bench <laughs> and and another key against a team that shoots well if if indiana i mean i'm not i'm never going to assume that indiana is going to light it up from three so what they have to do is they have to make their free throws if they get to the line they got to make their free throws because that's a lot of extra points the other team's going to be getting you need to finish and get some extra points on your end yep we will have the post game show for you as soon or it won't be as soon as that game ends remember it is senior day senior day for Devontae green and deron davis so the post game show will start after the senior speeches so just kind of stay tuned to Twitter and all that stuff, and we'll send the link out as soon as we get going. But huge, huge opportunity for Indiana to get win number 20, stop Wisconsin's unexpected march toward a Big Ten title, and just beat those Badgers. I get sick of losing to them, too. So let's beat them again at home, just like we did last year. All right, coming up, the much-anticipated Christian Lander scouting report. Another huge, huge recruit for Archie Miller from the state of Indiana, a five-star point, five point guard. Obviously, a position of need. We will assess his strengths and weaknesses and how he fits, whether he comes next year or the year after. Stick with us on the Assembly Call. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob chat mobbers. during uh, our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. All right, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. As we always do, when Indiana gets a commitment, it is scouting report time. So 
If you were, you know, living under a rock, I guess, over the last week and a half, you might have missed that Christian Lander, uh, basically Indiana's, you know, prime recruiting target since Trace Jackson Davis committed, he surprisingly committed to Indiana. I don't think anybody was really expecting it to happen when it did, uh, but it happened. Uh, he is currently in the class of 2021, but obviously the big storyline around him now is will he reclassify to 2020? And everything you read seems to suggest that he wants to, and they kind of have a plan for it to happen. And so it looks like things are moving in that direction. That doesn't mean that it's guaranteed. You know, Ryan asked me before we went on what I thought. I said, just based on kind of stuff you're reading here, 70-30, you know, that he will. But it certainly seems like things are moving steadily in that direction. Um, so, you know, and just to kind of, you know, set the context for where he is, he is a five-star recruit, uh, you know, will probably be, well, I guess if he reclassifies, he won't have a chance to be a McDonald's All-American, but certainly a guy who projected, uh, to be a McDonald's All-American, you know, and we got uh, a question from someone in the community, you know, where would Lander be as a player, uh, if he was in the 2020 class? And so rivals actually did uh, a really cool set of recruiting rankings where they took all the current prospects and lumped them together into one big rating. So in the class of 2021, Lander was essentially between like 15 and 20, uh, right in there. If you look at that top 100 of all prospects, that's from freshman to senior. So Amani Bates was, you know, number one because he's hailed as like, you know, one of the greatest prospects since LeBron. And actually, LeBron, yeah. Yeah. If you look at that, Lander is 60th overall and he was 31st among class of 2020 prospects. Now it's worth saying the list is kind of shaded toward 2020 prospects at the top because they're the better players right now. So it's probably hard, you know, for the guys rating them and people to have separate seen them some more, of that. Let's yeah. be real. So, but look, this is a guy who is a top 20 player. He is the number one point guard in the class of 2021. He has the exact pedigree that you're looking for to be, you know, the kind of guard that you build around that Indiana has really needed. So well, you know, the, no- the best, the best guard, the best ball handling guard prospect since Yogi. Obviously, you know Romeo, you know, a different type of player than him. Um, well, let's also note that on twenty four sevens rankings, which by the way, I think twenty four seven right now is the best scouting service and and covers the most area and and ranks guys the most accurately, in my opinion. Has him as the number nine player. The composite has him at eleven, yeah. but has him as the number nine player in his class. So this is a top ten national recruit yes. and the best player in Indiana. And by the way, I think he he would definitely be the best player in Indiana this year as well no in question. those rankings. So worth yep. noting that as well. This is, you know, because when you talk about it being top 60 and things like that, I know what you're re- referencing and it's all four That's, years and yeah. all that. But let's let's regauge it to in his class and if he was in 2020, he'd be the best player in Indiana and in his class, he's a top 10 guy nationally. So I think that's worth noting as we enter the scouting report. And as we transition into your scouting report, watching the film, it backs it up. Like you can see why he's got yeah. that ranking and it seems legitimate. So tell us what kind of player we're getting in Christian Lander. So he's about 6'1", 6'2", 165. So obviously, as with all, I start this with every prospect because I have a lot of people who go watch the video and then come at me and say, he needs to get bigger. They all need to get bigger. <laughs> I mean, he's 17 years old or whatever he is right now. Uh, he's going to have to gain probably 15 pounds to be an effective Big Ten player. That's just the reality of it. Um, but again, we've seen what IU strength and conditioning program can do. That's definitely doable. What surprised me is how small he plays when he has the ball on the perimeter, but how big he plays in close. He's got long arms. Uh, he does finish very strong despite being a skinny, a skinny kid. 
Um, he could be bodied off the ball in the Big Ten a bit, you know, roughed up if you see that Purdue-style defense that, that got played against some of our guys that really bothered some of our guys. That could impact him. Uh, Especially if again, he reclassifies. That, that's going to be the important the thing. thing to keep I'm, in mind. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this scouting report as if he will. Okay. So if, if the guy who is right now comes in next year, he's going to struggle a little bit. He needs to get bigger. He needs to get stronger. Um, ball from a ball handling perspective, he is an outstanding ball handler. He keeps the ball in close. One of the things you see guys get out in front of themselves and, and dribble away from their body. He does not do that. He can get a low dribble going in the middle. He dribbles through traffic really well. He just has a good sense of where he can put the ball on the floor, making sure it's going to pop back up and hit his hand. You know, I mean, he's really surgical with that. Um, he, he, Again, dribbles through crowds all the time with no issue. He is very confident with it. He's strong on the ball against this level of competition right now. The question is, how is he going to be at the next level? That's what we just went over. But he's very strong on the ball now, and and he's really difficult to take the ball away from. Um, He has an an insane hesitation move that he uses almost all the time where he pulls back and then springs forward. He is so quick once he decides to go with his drive that it's almost indefensible and you're going to have to rotate somebody over to help him, which helps because he's got great vision and can give the ball up to somebody else if he gets doubled. Um, You can know that hesitation's coming and you'll still get beat. You could see guys he's playing, waiting for it, waiting for it, and he still gets sucked in. It's almost like swinging at a changeup. You can know they can tell you the changeup's coming, but you want to look for the fastball. Um, he explodes out of his crossover and and gets moving to where he wants to go. When he crosses over, he's going somewhere. He's not just going to cross over for show. He has sort of a plan and a pattern of where he's going. Um, finishing around the rim, he's a great finisher. The one issue I saw was he finishes with his left all the time, even when he's on the right side of the floor. He'll finish with his left, and that needs to be altered. He needs to get better with his right hand because in college basketball, teams are going to key on his left hand and, and make sure he's left hand, by the way. So he's finishing with his left hand is his strong hand. Um, but he can finish on lots of weird, strange angles and still find ways to get it in. He can lay it in. He's He sometimes does a little uh, a hop shot thing where he does where he sticks it off the glass. He really knows how to put the ball in the basket. And, and it's, it's an innate kind of soft touch and feel that he has for the game. Uh, which is outstanding. He also, shockingly, because you see this guy and he's kind of smaller in his competition, he can really get up and dunk. And 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 you see him catching alley-oops. I mean, for a 6'1", 160, kid who's about 165, maybe 6'2", he can really get up and dunk. He finishes alley-oops on the break. He will drive by a guy and out of nowhere, you're expecting just the easy land, power jump up and get down and throw the ball down which is is again surprising when you're watching about five minutes of footage and then all of a sudden the dunks come and and you're you're very kind of it's almost shocking how quickly he can get up um i'd love to again love to see him finish with his right hand more a little bit stronger i think that's really an area he has to develop um the big question that i got before he before doing this was what about his shot Mm -hmm. can he shoot from the perimeter obviously the idea of a, a guard who can't shoot gives Indiana fans the shakes these days because it's happened for so long. Uh, he has a very low release on his shot. It's it's finishes about his his the middle of his head, which is not ideal. You want to finish high on your shot. The positive is he gets it away very quickly, so that's not much of an issue. If you want a comparison from an IU guy who finished who had a shot that finished low, Eric Gordon would be the guy that I would lead you to. He has a very low finish on his shot, but he got it up quickly and he finished well. You know, he had good mechanics. It was just a lower shot. 
Um, hmm. So I, I don't know if they'll try and alter that, and make him, maybe make him finish his shot a little higher, or if they'll just encourage him to get it off quicker. Um, he's a good three-point shooter. He gets really good rotation on the ball. He's a developing shooter. I, I, I said good, but developing, and I can see it becoming a good shot. One thing that he does a lot of, though, is he has his lead left leg is out further than his right leg, so he's not square to the hoop. That's an easy fix that they could work on over a summer. And, and you know, when you have such a talented prospect, coaches are loath to change anything they're doing. Indiana's probably going to want to change that. So he's more square to the hoop. You've seen Al Durham become more square to the hoop this year when he shoots, and it's worked for him. It's gotten better. And you've seen, especially lately, he's, his mechanics are much better because he's more square to the hoop. That's going to be something Christian's going to have to work on. One thing about his shot that is nice is the I mentioned the touch around the basket. His touch on his shot is great as well. He does a lot of pulling up in like the 10 to 15 foot range, and it's just soft on the rim every time. It may not be a perfect shot, but the softness of the touch lets it kind of sometimes rattle in, which is a positive because you're not going to be perfect on every shot, especially at that age. And, and the ability to just kind of put it on the inside of the rim and let it go in is, is really a positive. Um, I, I think that with his shot, though, he does need to take the next step. And it's especially if he's going to be playing in college where everyone's going to be playing off him because he's so quick with his dribble, he's going to need to take that next step as a shooter to just get himself square to the hoop, make sure that release. The other thing he does, he pulls back his release a lot. And that's something that it's kind of showboaty when guys like fire it up and pull their hand back. He needs to keep it up and, and, and finish through the shot as opposed to pulling his hand back. Uh, I'm sure that drives coach nuts when his guys do that, but I don't um, like that. Yeah, and it's it's just it's an easy thing to fix too. It's just follow through and pose on your shot every time. Um, as far as athleticism, I mentioned he surprises with his explosion. He doesn't look like he just watching him because he's not that big and he's not that strong. He doesn't look like he'd be. Oh, that's a great athlete. He really does have some explosion to him. His his drives. He's lightning quick. His first step is fantastic, and then he's got that ability to really get up around the rim, and that helps him as a rebounder. He's a really good rebounder for a guard. He's got long arms, and he gets up quickly and is willing to shield guys. Even when he doesn't have great position, he's able to shield guys and go get the ball, and that's impressive. The Hoosier um, Hysteria Dunk Contest with he and uh, Jordan Geronimo added to it. it's going to be fun. Going to be very fun. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, also that that athleticism is going to help him on defense, and that's the next section I've got is defense. Uh, again, he's a willing defender. He goes out, he, but it's high school defense. He goes after a lot of steals, tries to get in a lot of passing lanes, things like that. But here's the thing. Like Romeo Lankford, he's never had to be an excellent defender. He's yep. just so much better than everybody else that he can play his own level of defense. Romeo became a good defender, and now he's one of he's considered one of the Celtics' defensive stoppers. But that was because they put. He was him to an work. underrated defender last year too. He was, but that's the thing is Archie got him on campus and was able to mold him into a defender like that. Lander is has that ability in him for sure. I, I think that he's he plays good defense. But you almost feel like it's not enough and there's another gear. But again, he's in high school basketball. He's in AAU basketball. Those are not places where a guy that talented is going to really hone his craft as a defender. Um, I think the tools are definitely there. Uh, the key, obviously, because he's a point guard, is passing. And one thing that I saw from him is that he's got outstanding vision where he sees the whole floor. A lot of times you get point guards and they see the floor in quadrants. So if you're driving to the left side, you see the one pass away, the closest pass, you see the next pass, and maybe you see the post. But you don't see what's going on on the other side of the floor. That's not Lander. He sees everything. And he is able to deliver pinpoint passes to every quadrant on the floor. And, and no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing. And he does a lot of, a lot of times young guys, 
that are that are again playing AAU are the best player they're gonna they're gonna face that year. They drive to the rim and look to score every single time, regardless of what happens with doubles or guys coming over or guys challenging him. He goes up and has that basketball sense to know if there's someone closing, there's somebody open and he finds them. And you know, it's it's a bummer for a guy like him because the rest of his team is never going to be as good as him. So sometimes he'll make a great pass that doesn't get finished. But that's the job of a point guard is to find those open guys when you don't have that perfect lane. He's very good at, and I think that is his best attribute, is his ability to get past someone on a drive and know whether or not he's going to be able to finish or whether this guy cutting on the right side or standing out at the three-point line has the best. He does that calculus in his head very quickly and finds the open guys, and he delivers passes on time. He delivers no-look passes that, while they're no-look passes, don't feel flashy. They feel like what's needed at that time. So whereas some guys you see throw no-look passes to be fancy, it's almost like Lander's doing it because that's the best option. He just has that next-level basketball IQ, and his brain is consistently going. And you can see him sometimes, if you watch some of his highlight videos, he's standing at the top, and he's dribbling back and forth. But he's not dribbling back and forth to show off to go buy his guy. He's waiting for something to develop. And, and waiting to see where things will develop. Almost like he's, you know, it's a chessboard and he's trying to figure out how to get the pieces in the right place and, and where to attack. Um, one thing I also really noticed was a lot of the Indiana elite footage. He plays very well with Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal. Those guys clearly love playing together and they know where each other are on the floor at all times. You'll see Leal throwing alley-oops to Lander and Galloway, you know, setting Leal up who sets Lander up. I mean, they those three know how to play together, and it is a blast to watch. I, I recommend everybody after the show, I know you're on YouTube, you might be on YouTube watching this, but <laughs> after the show, go watch those highlights. It's really I know, you fun. got me excited to watch some more of this footage. It's he sounds really, good. It's really fun to watch those guys play together. Um, so basically, my summary of it is I think that Lander's a winning player. I mean, there were times in AAU games I saw him diving on the floor. I mean, you know, that never happens. Um, but he's, he's a guy who makes winning plays that makes your team better. Uh, he does the right things with the ball. He has this sense of when to attack, where to attack, how fast to attack, what to do. Uh, he does a lot of step back. He does he, he does a decent amount of step back threes and things like that that aren't exactly what you want every time. But he makes enough of them that you're not mad about it. And 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 he's a guy who just has this insane feel for the game. And 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 I think, quite frankly, from watching him, I think he's the next great point guard in the Big Ten. I really do. I, I just think that he's got all the tools you want for a point guard. Obviously, you're projecting in growth there. There are things he's got to get better. He's got to work on his shot a little bit. He's got to get a little bigger. Uh, and he's got to buy in defensively. But if he does those things, there's nothing stopping him from being the, the next great Big Ten point guard. Yeah, so we got several questions about him. We were not going to have a time to adjust them in this segment. So if you're listening on the radio and you want to hear that, we're going to talk about it between segments on the YouTube version. Um, so you can get that there. But the one thing I do want to talk about real quick is, look, the description that you gave is app. This is why he's a five-star prospect. This is why he's you know top 15 player. Like All the skills and athletic ability are there. The biggest question is going to be if he reclassifies, you know, and this should be a, a kid who's a senior in high school, what's the maturity level that he brings, you know, to college? Obviously, physically he's going to be behind, but mentally and emotionally, is he ready? And I would say the one thing that really makes you feel better about it is he's going to be coming in if he reclassifies with Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal, who he played with this summer. Like that will and that really help that why. transition. And it's worth noting he's been playing a year up. Yes in AAU ball. So he's been playing with older players for a while. 
Uh, now he hasn't made the jump to playing against 22 year olds, you know, in, in the way it would be in college consistently, but an expectation should be put in check for that reason. You know, think back to Yogi's freshman year and all the growth that he needed. And he was ranked around, you know, the, the same as Lander, like there will be ups and downs for a young point guard, but you know, coach, you look at him, I mean, all the physical tools and all the skills that you would want for a player that age, it's all there. I, I would point to a couple things that Ryan said from a coaching perspective and, and for our, our listeners. One, instincts. Uh, he's got the instincts of when to go, when not to go, when to shoot, when not to shoot. Yes, at times he's in, at high school when you got a guy like that, he's probably going to take some shots that are questionable because he's so good and has to. Yeah. But you really look at the AAU stuff uh, and, and, you know, his vision and his willingness to pass in AAU. Uh, when Ryan said that, you know, and, and I haven't uh, watched, I've watched a few of his highlights, but if AAU is just uh, get yours uh, for for the most part. And, and when you get a guy who's diving on the floor, and then Jared said about playing with Leo and Galloway, that if he can reclassify and gets all the credits that he needs and comes in, he is, we do need to, to be patient with him and making uh, young mistakes and his physicality and, and some of the shot corrections that, you know, need to be done. But as a coach, you can't coach those instincts and that knack for playing the game uh, and playing Stuff the game at teach. that level. Yeah. You can't teach that. And, and so you'll try to eliminate the struggles, but you can just let, let, um, let him go. And, and I think what's nice too, is you have two ball handlers that can play at the same time and you could almost never have a non ball handler out there. Um, you know, you could stagger with their, fantasy. their times yeah. with fantasy. And so I just think that, yes, let's live with the growing pains, but it, it really excites me to have that level of a guard, uh, coming to play IU. And, and I think it's transition, uh, Archie wants to play a transition game. I think Lander fits that perfectly. Uh, I think, you know, directing the offense, he's been struggling getting fantasy and everyone to run the offense. I think Lander's that guy. Uh, if he can accept that role of not just being the lead scorer, which I think he can, but he can really run an offense, I think. And so those, yeah. those things from a coaching perspective are really good to hear. He's got the mind of a senior. I mean, he really does. When you watch the way he breaks down the game, you know, quickly in his mind when he's driving, he reacts to what the defense does, and and he's honestly fantastic. I'm I'm really excited to see him in, in Green Crimson. Awesome. All right, uh, we are going to talk more about that during the break. So again, if you're listening on the radio, you can listen to the podcast or on YouTube. But when we come back for segment number three, it is question time. The mediocre question of the week is back, and a bunch of other good ones. So we will answer those. Next, stick with us on the assembly call. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit more about Lander. We just needed to break for the radio show, um, but there's a little bit more. Well, there's a lot more meat on the bone, but we got a couple of questions about you know from Sally from JD, essentially about. How he'll fit with Rob? Is he going to be competing with Rob for minutes? You know, um, you know. And Sally's premise was basically, uh, you know, do you think it will actually take the pressure off of Rob having a guy like you know Christian Lander there to kind of you know help take some of that playmaking load? And then you know, JD people have made a lot out of the Lander overlap with Rob in terms of playing time. Um, you know, again, do you think that could even be better for Rob to have someone push him, someone for him to mentor? So you know, coaches, you look at that. Because to me, I mean, obviously they're undersized. 
you know, and you're still you still project to have a guy like Al Durham around. You still project to have a guy like Armand Franklin around. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have some options there. But Christian Lander also isn't coming here and reclassifying to sit on the bench the entire game. Like he's if he come, yeah, yeah. he's coming here. He's going to play. He's going to play fifteen twenty minutes a game. Like even if he's struggling Minimal. as a freshman, he is going to play. And you know, we certainly project some improvement from from Rob. But I think those two guys can play together at times. But I also think you know you stagger them some with Al, especially with what Al is showing as a two guard over these last few weeks. You know, I think you can have a nice rotation and see those two guys play together because Rob can play off the ball and make shots, and Christian can do that too. So you can finally have like a legit lineup where you have two ball handlers, which seems like the greatest luxury of all that we just haven't had very often. I, I, I look forward to them playing together as much as possible. I do think you stagger them as far as their rest so that you have one of the two out there at all times unless there's foul trouble. Uh, and, and, you know defensively we we got to see what he can do it's different you know college yeah. is so different than than even the highest levels high school and AAU uh, with all the schemes and the scouting and all of that stuff but some of the struggles have been our, our our guards have been giving up penetration and we've been forced to play big maybe this with the wings coming in Geronimo and Leo and Galloway and you have Hunter developing some more and Race Thompson that you can play a little smaller um and not the two traditional bigs uh, and, and have to throw that ball into the post, you could see maybe a, a fundamental shift in the offense as well. But I think those two are going to play together. I don't think it's a challenge to Rob's minutes. I think Rob has, uh, at his best, uh, which was mostly his second half of his freshman year, uh, has demonstrated that he can do some things offensively and he can really do some things defensively, especially like against a guy like Cassius Winston, that – I think you'll see them play a lot. Um, and maybe Al comes in at the three or Al comes off the bench and can spot those guys. And uh, But the competition level is going to um, arise with more guys of the same uh, type of, uh, of play and mentality. So yeah. I don't think it's a threat to Rob at, at all. Uh, I, I think they Make can Make life play, easier on him. Have yeah, the same no, amount of minutes. Yeah. And he can relax a little bit too. He doesn't have to be the only one that can run the offense and run the fast break. And then the, when he goes out, the, you know, the offense kind of gets stagnant. I mean, times. look, ideally by next year, Rob is the guy that you pencil in for 35 minutes and everybody, all the rotations go around him and he rests when he's tired. You know, that's what we need Rob to be. He hasn't been that guy. We talked about on the postgame show last night, finally playing 29 minutes against Illinois, 30 against Minnesota because he's playing better. And I think Archie just trusts him to play more minutes. That's what we need him to be. And whether it's health or confidence, whatever, but if he can be that guy, you know, the other thing I, I do want to mention, because look, we're all excited about Trey and Anthony and Jordan and these guys. And, and you know, I think Trey especially seems like a guy who can carve out some minutes because of the way that he defends. It's important to remember the freshmen who typically play early are the five-star guys, the elite talents like Lander. Guys like Trey and Anthony and Jordan Geronimo that are ranked more in the hundreds, 110, 120, those guys, a lot of times, need more. Like, look at Armand Franklin this year. You know, that's kind of you know he was ranked a little lower than those guys, but you know, not always ready for major minutes right off the bat. So I think you know you you want to see a guy like Jerome Hunter really step up in his you know next year and race Thompson. You want to start to lean on those guys. You want the these new you know these new freshmen. Certainly, they can compete to play, and they're going to make practice more competitive. But I just. We get so excited about these new freshmen and what they can bring. I just think it's important to have fair expectations for what they are actually going to do in their first year, which is probably a little bit less than we think, uh, just based on where they are. Lander is different. 
like Trace, like Romeo, like Yogi, he's a five-star guy. He's going to play and contribute, even if he's a little bit up and down. So, um, but look at look at what Jerome's done in quote his first year, yeah. and now you got two or three of those guys. Well, but Jerome was also like a top fifty player, you know, like yeah. he was kind of a step up from those guys. But, but my point is, you can get twelve minutes from one of those guys, you know, sure. eight minutes, and, and I think they're that's yeah. going to. You know, they don't have to play 30 minutes to be productive and bring something in. Good. You can let them be freshmen. Yeah. Yes. It's... And develop and then see if they get more minutes down down the stretch. And you go with who's hot, too. If it's Geronimo early and then all of a sudden he hits the freshman wall. Yeah. Now you got Leo. And and the thing is, those kids want to compete. It seems like they want to compete and they want to win. And that's always a factor that you want to put out there. Uh, it's kind of like what we like about Armand. I think he's a winner. Uh, and yep. with his ups and downs, he, he's got a lot of experience, and he'll be better next year as well. Um, all right, so let me see. So we covered those two questions. Uh, reclassification status, we basically said, uh, Rob said, is it is it too much to hope that Jackson Davis stays two more years with Lander? Probably. Um, well, I, let's let Trace let, let him stay one more year and, yeah. and see where his see where his game is next fall. Yeah, and look, let's just, let's just get through all the NBA. I know he said he's coming back, but he... It's. I mean, he said he's coming back, but he almost sure uh, just so that people don't panic. He almost surely is going to put his name into the draft and, f- and yeah, go and look. What- and look, if an NBA team falls in love with him, things could change. You know what I mean? So let's get let's make sure Trace comes back for you know for next year. Let's get them on the court for you know for one year together, and then we'll go from there. With a guy again, you know, with, with five star prospects, it's kind of a year by year thing, and you just have to see where it goes. Um, okay, so we answered all those questions. Ryan, do you want kind of the last word on Lander before we move on? Get excited. He's really good. He's going to be really fun to watch. And he's more, you know, Trace has been an instant impact because he's that good and he's a, you know, he's big or whatever. Lander is a, but Lander is a guy who changes the complexion of your team because he's running the offense and he's the guy getting the ball in. And, and Romeo was a huge impact guy because, he was the focal point of your offense, just like Trace Jackson Davis. But when you get a point guard, a top-tier point guard, it makes everybody better, and it changes the complexion of how you even run your offense. So it's more like the other guys are – it's more like the other guys were c- – could dominate within the offense. He changes the offense. you know. So it's, it's a higher level of impact, I think. The, uh, just- the Ohio State – the Ohio State kid that uh, Carton, Cars, for a while Carton. yeah, yeah, is that kind of a Lander or Lander better or no? I think Lander's better. I think Carton's more of okay. a scorer. Um, okay. is more of a pure scorer, more of a combo guard. Um, he can pass and he's he can lead a team, but I feel like his instincts are more that of a scoring guard than than Lander. Lander feels like he can score anytime he wants, but he also is really good at setting people up and running things, and he loves to cut. He, he loves the backdoor cut and get a get a layup i mean that's, Man, that's, that's one thing that was really impressive <laughs> about that's him too. really good to hear but you know point, looking point looking so important you know look, looking at a guy like carton though kind of the production that he had some of the elite moments but also some of the ups and downs but i mean this is a guy obviously before he you know decided to step away for the mental health issues he's playing 21 minutes 20 minutes 26 minutes 38 minutes 29 minutes 29 minutes like that is probably not a bad template to look at for what oh, for Lander sure will do. Not. You know, and, and look, DJ Carton came into Bloomington and, you know, had seven turnovers, was throwing the ball all over the place. And Lander would probably he'll probably have games like that because he's a freshman point guard, but you also see the impact of a guy like that. So those are 
you know, you look for guys, you know, think about Yogi's freshman year, obviously they're on a different team, you know, Carton's freshman year. And and what you what's helped with Ohio State when Carton was there is they had some experienced guards to yeah, help to smooth it. out some of that. And Indiana projects to have some of that with Rob, with a senior Al Durham. You know, those are guys that might not be elite talents, but as juniors and seniors, they should be solid Big Ten players that can give you a little bit more consistency. And then, you know, you let Lander kind of do his things and, you know, most games are going to be good and some games they'll struggle. But overall, it's an elite talent and, you know, you live with some mistakes and let him grow. All right, let's hop into segment number three and answer some questions. So we've got seven minutes and two seconds, so I need to break it about these six. 35, Mark. Um, Okay. Let's talk for 30 seconds because I need to start this at a specific time. Um, All right. How are you guys doing? I'm good. (laughs) How are you doing? Uh, Coach, win your game tomorrow night. Uh, Everybody wish Coach good luck. They're playing tomorrow night. Who are you playing? Twin Lakes. Beat them? Uh, We lost by five in a regular season. Didn't play our best. Um, and, And so we think we have a really good shot. All right. Here we go. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers! Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. You can text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, mailbag time. All these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community, uh, except for the first question, which we will get to, which was submitted inside of the chat mob in the middle of the show, because that is what this guy does, because he is very, very mediocre with when he sends his questions. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. It's a great question, piggybacking off of the discussion that we just had. Archie is bringing in his third class of players. In your opinion, are there identifiable traits that Archie recruits tend to possess? And if so, what are they? I'm going to go with to coach first, and I bet I know what the first word is he's going to say. Toughness. Yep, toughness. <laughs> I think that's what he's trying, trying to identify, and we'll see, it, we'll see if it uh, is true, but please let it be toughness. <laughs> Ryan, what do you think? I think uh, if I had to give one word, it would be multifaceted. A lot of these guys can do a number of different things there. If it's a guard, he can score and pass and play defense. If it's, if it's, you know, Anthony Leal is an aggressive dive on the floor guy who can also shoot Trey Galloway sort of can play a number of different. He's been playing point guard this year at times for Cobra academies and he can do different things. You look at race Thompson, Jerome Hunter, I mean, the guys who were playing for them can all kind of do different things. So that's, that's what I think he's going for. Not, I don't. I mean, I don't know. He's a guy who's going to emphasize positionless basketball, but it's that kind of thing where guys can play on multiple spots on the floor, do multiple things, and and help you in multiple ways. Which is in modern basketball, it's what you got to do. The other thing that I would say is just enthusiasm for basketball. You know, like a lot of the guys he brings in, they seem like just guys who love to play. 
you know, Trey and, and Anthony and Jerome Hunter is certainly like that. Just guys who love the game. Um, because I, I think Archie doesn't, he hasn't won a coach like playing hard and, and, and getting up for basketball games. You know, he wants guys that are going to bring that. And I think that comes with some of the toughness coach that you talked about. Um, but just guys that have an enthusiasm to play and enthusiasm to work on their games. Um, so, you know, we'll see, you know, next year, obviously, you know, he'll have three of his classes in there. So we'll see what kind of dividends it pays on the court. Uh, from Patrick, we'll direct this question to you, Ryan. When are they going to let race take that shot at the top of the key? It's been wide open for at least the last two games. He can make it shoot the ball. One a game, one a game, take one a game race. Let it, let it fly once a game. If they're giving you that much room, we've seen you make it before focus, release it off your fingertips, hold the pose on your finish, all that stuff. He can do it. We've seen him do it. He did it in high school too. I, we talked about that on his scouting report is that he he's a guy who could move his shot out. So I I'd be fine with one, a game from there, man. I think, I think that's right. You miss it. Don't take it again. Yeah. Simple rule, but at least it, it lets them know that you're going to take it, you know, and square up, man. Yeah. Do it. You're getting the minutes. He's not going to yank minutes from you because you miss a three, a wide open three. Well, I don't know. That might be why he's not shooting it, actually, is he might get yanked if he shoots it. Well, I don't, you know, at this point of the year, we need Ray Thompson to win. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, But definitely players have not felt like they have green lights at certain times. Yes, (laughs) I get that. that It happens. But. But He's I made some, He made a couple good ones earlier in the year. I think he needs to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, from Matt. Uh, Coach, I'll direct this one to you. A lot was made of our early uh, early season schedule. In hindsight, it appears that this was the correct strategy. Of course, how easy the early season schedule was. It appears this was the correct strategy to take this season. Do you agree with the statement, and would you continue to schedule this way moving forward? I think the schedule depends on what kind of team you have each year, and I do think it was the right move for this team. Uh, and I think that shows that the program kind of knew what was going to happen offensively and, and with some of the, the the players they had. So I think it was good. And then I have a lot of fun up here in, in the area of our rival, uh, especially with our Delphi Brackets group that Purdue fans all think that their team has the greatest strength of schedule. And Indiana's strength of schedule per the NCAA team sheets is better than Purdue's. What's happened, if you look at the team sheets, is Indiana's only played four sub-200 net teams uh, this whole entire year and only one sub-300. So the teams they scheduled that everyone thought were cupcakes have had pretty good years, and that has helped uh, Indiana's strength of schedule and helped their resume. And so it it wasn't as light as everyone thought it would be, and, and I think uh, I've said it like 20 times each of the five days to those other fans, and I just enjoy that so much. Purdue is officially the best team in the country that doesn't win. <laughs> um, okay, and last question, Ryan. You have about 30 seconds to address this. This is from Rob. What is it about Michigan that allows them to tear our D up more than other teams that do not want to face them in the Big Ten tournament? They spread you out and they drive you right down the middle and they can hit shots. It's it's pretty simple. And they, they have a great point guard. And they have a, Yeah, I mean... Makes and, a big and difference. He, and he's a point guard who can score or uh, or dish it out. And, and having a great point guard in college basketball is the great equalizer, I think. I think I think big men, having a good big man, having a good point guard are the two things that sort of change it. Obviously, and guys who can shoot. You got to have shooting. that too. But I'm assuming the point guard can shoot <laughs> in this scenario. So Ryan, it changes uh, everything if you have the perfectly constructed roster. A great point exactly. guard, big men, and surround them with guys who can shoot. You You're going to win a lot of games. You don't win a lot of games <laughs> that way, especially if you play defense. <laughs> it's funny how that can works out, how that works out. Okay, Coach, one real quick question for you. You can 
kind of answer it with one word. Do the amount of teams from a conference have any effect on bracketology? Like, do they take no. into account how many teams in a conference are going to get in? Absolutely not. The, the word that we've always heard is every team is an independent contractor. That's it. We're and done. No more questions. All right, that's going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk with you Saturday after IU Wisconsin, after the senior speeches. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come, this is Don Sony. <laughs> ah, it's an oldie but we a goodie. A, we need a Bielfeld right now. Hey, I'm going to... Big man. I'm going to piggyback on that, that Michigan thing, too. And, and this is something that I don't understand in college basketball. They either... Teams either hedge one way, and maybe they change in game, but maybe it takes eight games before they decide to change the way they hedge a ball screen. Why? Why can't you hedge differently depending on who's coming off the ball screen? Like yeah, Xavier Simpson can't hit a three to save his life. He needs 19 seconds to load it up from his waist. So go under that ball screen instead of high hedging with the great passer, and you got then the other shooters. That that's something that I. I does that? We, but does that depend on your roster? I mean, you got to trust guys to execute a scouting report. And okay, and I hope no Twin Lakes fans are listening. But we do different <laughs> things. We do different things based on who has the ball in different scenarios. Uh, you know, so I'm not going to say what what the game plan is for tomorrow night. But we do it in high school and expect our guys to know um, when it's this person and this person either screening or back screening yes. or ball screening or whatever, we're going to do action A, B, or C. Um, and we expect it of our guys and we complain and film when they don't do it. Good luck All tomorrow, right. coach. I got to go eat dinner, but good All luck. Right. Thank I'm rooting you. for you. Get, waiting for waiting on the result tomorrow. Give our best All to right. Madeline. I will go drink some balsamic vinegar. <laughs> balsamic vinegar. Yeah. All right, guys. Not as good as tear right. me, Sue, but pretty nope. good. Good scouting report, Ryan. Thanks, man. Good stuff, man. Uh, all right, Coach, you have time for a couple more quick questions? I sure do. Okay. Let's see. We got JDs. We got Robs. Oh, this is going to be an easy one from Bill, I think. Um, Joey Brunk has a terribly jerky hesitation in his free throw form, and it seems to be getting worse instead of better. Is it appropriate or even possible to correct this motion this late in the schedule, or would it be preferable to wait till the offseason? Uh, to a lesser degree, this could apply to Trace as well. That's got to be an emphatic no. You would never change a guy's shot in season. No. Um, right now it's about confidence, and you don't want to get in their, in their head so that the other parts of their game that they do do well. They get You don't want people thinking too much. And, yes, it needs to be fixed. And sometimes you don't even fix it in off season, you know, uh, because especially if the shot's going in. But to fix someone's shot at this age uh, when you're a junior and senior in college takes a lot of breaking it down and then a lot of – fixing and are you better at working on footwork and skills and strength and other things with the, with this, the time and, and where you need him to shoot yes free throws are very important I understand that uh, but again that, that it takes you know muscle memory is so funny to, to 
to break down. It's like your golf swing. Everyone out there plays golf. You go, you go to the instructor, instructor, and you you hit the ball well on the range, and then you go back out, and after three or four beers and hole number thirteen, you're back to the old cranky shot that you had, and all that money you spent on lessons is wasted. So, um, swinging your golf club do. into your bag like a baseball bat, you know, yeah. just the stuff it's that we not all do. Very good. It's hard to do. Um, in the high school level, I, I've decided not to mess with kids' shots. Now, most of the time, they're the ones who are going in. And then the ones who aren't going in, you just tell them to be screeners. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or go in the pep band or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it takes a real commitment to change your shot. I mean, you see guys do it some in the NBA when that's essentially their job and they right, can just work right. on it. And I mean, you have to get so many reps to change the muscle memory. So exactly. you absolutely would not do it during a season. Nope. You know, you might, you know, Ryan talked about it with, you know, Demizi back when we did Demizi's scouting report, you know, do you need to change some things with his shot? You know, and maybe, maybe what you would do with a college guy is if you're going to redshirt him and you know, he's not going to play a ton, like his, even his redshirt freshman year. Now you've got two years, two years. to change his shot out of the view of everybody before he's going to play in real games. Maybe you would do it then, but a guy who's already playing big minutes, and I don't even think, you know, you would want to change anybody's shot who you project to be a player for next year because you want them in the offseason perfecting what yep. they have, not breaking everything down. Here's, here's, I never, I always told my assistants that no one talks to my players, our players, about shooting except the head coach um, be, because everyone has an idea on what a shooter needs to do. And then all of a sudden, the poor kids here and keep your elbow in or no, it's your hand placement or no, hold your follow through. It's going to be one consistent. If you have something to suggest about player A shooting, come tell me and then I'll go watch him in a drill and then I will communicate it to him. And it wasn't that I didn't trust the assistants. It's just, uh, it's such a mental thing. Um, and, and little things, shoulder going forward or backwards or, or just your footwork um, that you start thinking about one thing and then something else goes wrong. And, and it's just a confusing thing. So we always had, you know, uh, I always told assistants just say, Hey, shoot with confidence or something common yeah. that, that wouldn't, re- wouldn't really get into the, the mind of a shooter. It's I mean, that it's, tricky, but it, you know, it's amazing. Shooting is such an interesting thing because I mean, by the time you get to college, you know, especially if you've grown up playing, it is so ingrained. You know, I, I texted you guys. I went and played basketball for the first time. I mean, I was on like on a basketball court, like playing like, you know, I mean, it was the first time in five years, you know, and I stepped out there. I am out of shape. Like there are a lot of things I can't do. I could not play. I could not guard a chair. You know, I probably couldn't go up and down the court two or three times without, you know, keeling over. I could still shoot it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I stepped out went right around the horn, made it, made all the threes, you know, stepped there up and I was making 80% of my free throws. It's like, Coach you know, Wood. yeah, well, cause I just, you know, you, I grew up shooting and I haven't put like any focus practice on it since high school, but it is just burned in there, man. Put me on a basketball court with a ball and I can just go make some shots, you know? So to try to change something that is so ingrained that you can step away for five years and still step right back on and make them. I mean, that's, you know, I mean that has to be such an intentional thing to do, and you got to really know what you're doing. So for for you dads out there, when you have young kids at age six, seven, eight, or nine, get them a smaller ball, yeah, and get them a smaller basket, eight to ten, eight to nine feet, and just make sure their form is perfect, and then don't paint a three point circle on your driveway, um, and, and and get them to love the fifteen footer because once that form is ingrained, and you get them about nine, ten, eleven, and they they have the right form. 
then they're going to be able to shoot for for a long time. So because the point is, you don't want to develop you don't want to develop bad habits heaving the ball when you're when you're exactly. not strong enough to shoot it the right way. Yep. Oh man, I could talk about shooting forever. It's the greatest. Um, I, I always told my sons, you got to get good at shooting because no one ever gets in the paper for passing or guarding. <laughs> and then no chicks will go out with you if you're not in the paper. So it's all about shooting. You don't need to defend. My boys didn't defend. They just scored. I had to find the nicest looking lady. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's good advice, coach. Good advice. Yeah, uh, from from Bill, what is one improvement or major step forward that we have seen Indiana starters and most active bench players take this year that you could see them likely possibly bringing into postseason play? This is the last question. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that they're handling adversity a lot better. Uh, th- this team seemed to drop its head and pout an awful lot and give up you know big runs, and I think that's – and even in their recent losses at Illinois and at Purdue uh, and the ups and downs within the games at home – you have not seen uh, that kind of lack of effort and lack of, you know, focus because one end of the of the court is not going well, um, and that that's going to bode well in the Big Ten tournament. You're going to get your best shot. You're not going to necessarily win it, and in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have a chance to win games if you don't uh, don't just you know give up on yourselves as players and give up on your coaching staff and all that because things are going tough. You got to be a little tough minded to overcome. Uh, adversity. We talked to our guys into high school. Your first four or five minutes of the sectional are going to be nerve-wracking. We didn't t- talk to them about that. We said, hey, you're going to handle some adversity. There's going to be a six or eight-point run by the other team. You've got to be strong at that point in order to persevere. Uh, you know, and and we do talk a little bit about handling adversity because it happens in a game. But game of basketball is a game of runs, and and your your winners handle it. And I like that, even though we've lost some games that you don't want to lose. I think that's that's what we wanted back in December when we started losing some games, or January when we started losing some games. Uh, I, I think that's been the improvement I've I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, on a macro level, I definitely agree with you. You know, I I think. As we talked about on the on the post game show last night, you know, I I still I have questions about how ready our defense is actually for the postseason. I still think it's a little bit too leaky, and I think to play the way Archie wants to play, this needs to be you know a great to elite defense, which it's not yet. You know, and there's some spurts in there that are that are concerning. But you know, I don't want to focus there because I do actually like some of the things I'm seeing offensively, especially the last two games. You know, Purdue was awful. But the last 80 minutes, there's been a lot of really good offense. And the things, Coach, that I've seen that I've really liked is they're getting Trace the ball on the move more, not where he's just static on the block and he's better when he's on the move. I think Rob is being more aggressive driving to the basket. You know, he's not just waiting around to be a catch-and-shoot guy. He's really, you know, driving and, and being more aggressive. And the biggest thing is what they're doing with Al Durham, which I love. And we've... We talk so much on this show, asking for them to set some screens for shooters and asking for Al to be aggressive. And the last two games, you're really seeing both up, you know, both those things. They run him off screens. You're seeing him, you know, actually read the screen. It's amazing watching a guy read a screen. He'll either fade back to the three point line or he'll curl right around it. There was a possession in the Minnesota game. He goes around the screen. He fades the first time, doesn't have a shot, 
passes it, gets another screen. You know, the guy thinks he's going to fade, so he just curls right around it, gets into the lane. I think that's where he had the little dump-off pass. And so seeing Indiana run those sets and seeing him be aggressive and actually use the screens the right way, they're putting him in a position to succeed, which is either be a catch-and-shoot guy or get the ball on the move going downhill. And that's smart. You know, that's putting him in a position to succeed. And, you know, those to me, those are your three most important offensive players. Trace, Al, and and Rob, with Devontae obviously being the big X factor and Jerome being a bit of an X factor. But if you get that from those three guys, you can have a functioning offense. And, you know, if you combine a functioning offense with a good but occasionally inconsistent defense, you know, you're not going to make a Final Four, but you can go win a couple Big Ten tournament games and, you know, win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. So if that stuff on offense continues, I think this is a team that can, you know, that can score some points. Not you know, again, they're not going to be elite, but they're more multi-dimensional and just functioning and coherent on offense. You know, well, and the most improvement was needed on offense. Yes, uh, and I do agree with you. The defense is good, not great where it needs to be, but it's what thirty-first, thirty-second, something like that. It's it's improved, uh, and the last six games, it's kept Indiana in in games, and then the last seven eight minutes were really dominant defense last night yeah. uh, to put the game away. So. And they're changing some things. And so, you know, after the Michigan game, I started sending Archie emails with the link to the show because of all the advice that we have. (laughs) And he started different hedging and he's different rotations. He's starting to use timeouts. I mean, I really appreciate Coach Miller taking the time to watch and and then put into play some of the things that you and Andy and Ryan and I are suggesting. And We should get paid for this. <laughs> did you see? Did you see Archie's answer last night when they asked him uh, about the starting lineup? Because the way that the way that the guy phrased the question—I don't know who asked the question—but the way they phrased the question was, you know, some people have been questioning your starting lineup and what you're doing with the starting lineup. And Archie's like, "Oh, you know," he's like, "Basically, who's been asking the questions? Have you been asking the questions?" Basically, like, you know, the point being, like, who are the idiots questioning what I'm doing with my team? <laughs> Which, you know, fair enough. But but on on a serious note, because we didn't talk about this, did you did you listen to his answer? I, I have not had a chance. I, I got home at, at the tail end of the game, and then uh, uh, today, you know, doing some bracketology and film study for sectional and practice. And so th- this will be the last so. time we talk about because I know you got to go. But the answer, it, it, it was a great answer because we have talked about this a lot. And he essentially said, "Look, especially this late in the season, you're not going to change the starting lineup because you might lose guys." You know, and we're not going to do that. And so if you're going to change the starting lineup, either in the second half or, you know, even for the starters, you want to change it moving toward a strength rather than moving away from a weakness. You know, essentially saying, you know, if you kind of read between the lines, like a guy like Race Thompson would just have to absolutely bowl you over and give you no choice to bring in Joey Brunk. But even then, you know, you're going to need Joey Brunk. So you don't want to lose him, you know, which is, look, there's more psychological culture type stuff going on here with what I do with my starting lineup then you know some yahoos on a post game show are probably going to consider which is you know fair enough we we see about 15% of the full context of these decisions and try and give our opinions on them I, but I what I liked about his answer is I think sometimes we've thought hey Archie's just stubborn and doesn't want to change but what you saw there and we should have assumed this anyway the guy's a you know he's a he's an elite basketball coach you know now is he like you know, in the top 10 in the country, maybe not yet, but he's, you know, one of the best basketball coaches in the country out of all the people coaching basketball. There's a philosophy there. And I, you know, I'd like, 
you like to know that things aren't just being done by default. There's consideration, but there's a philosophy that is being followed. And whether you agree or disagree with the philosophy, it makes me feel better, you know, again, to know that there is one. And again, should have assumed that, but it's always comforting to have your coach just spell it out so you can be on the same page with him and know. And I, I just feel better having heard that answer. So, you know, and, and it's that's a good reminder for all of us that there's more to a, a basketball or an athletic program than just the X's and O's and what we see on game night. There's what goes on in the locker room, the meeting rooms, and 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 sometimes you honor some things with, with lineups and, and playing time that that maybe don't make X and O's sense to, to the common viewer that doesn't know what, what else is going on. Uh, my best year ever, we were um, – we won the regional, and we're we're one of four teams left in the state, Jared. And and we had a a five nine point guard, and we were going up uh, against uh, Lewis Cass, undefeated number one team in the state. Their smallest guy was six three six four, all the way up, and they were undefeated. And we were fifteen and ten or fifteen and something. We made a run in the tournament, and in order to try to get to the state championship, our assistants were like, "Should we should we put our our six three guy off the bench into the starting lineup to match up with them?" And I said, no, this kid, this kid went into the starting lineup at Christmas time, and he's the reason we turned our three and eight season around to win. Now, minutes might be diminished, but I can't, after winning a sectional and winning a regional with that starting lineup, make a change because that could do more harm in that game than playing him for two or three minutes, coming up with a strategy to survive, and then then um, you know some other things and. That, that kid was a tremendous reason why we won uh, all those games and had the best season I've ever had as a head coach and one game away from the state championship. And he played, and he played a lot of minutes. He had to play some minutes uh, in that game as well. But uh, that was a bond that that young man and I had, and to this day we have, that he, he wasn't going to come out of the starting lineup simply because it might have been a matchup thing. Um, and then it was my job to communicate if he's going to get a little bit less minutes. But uh, those things happen in a program at, at all levels, and it's a good reminder what what he said and then what, what you just shared, uh, that we get caught up in, in the X's and O's sometimes as, as a casual fan. And it's not necessarily to say that the way Archie's talking about doing it is is right for everybody, because some coaches, some programs, you know, the the, the culture there, the philosophy may just be, hey, we're going to do matchups. Coach Knight did that some, but Archie is clearly building culture around starting matters. And so if he sits Joey Brunk on the bench, Joey Brunk's going to take that as like, oh man, I am really doing something wrong because of what it means. And so context is everything and Archie has shown more recently that if things aren't going well in the first half he'll make a change for you know for the second half but it just it it you know that that's, that's why I, lo I love hearing those explanations because yeah. it makes Here's it all make quick, more sense quick thought too is this team needed toughness and work ethic and togetherness and Joey Brunk brought it from the day one and, and more so than anyone uh from what we're hearing and that's your dude and he's you know you asked about the one word about recruiting that's Joey Brunk uh, it's toughness uh, and those kinds of things. And, you know, you're saying to the team, this is a guy who's at practice early. This is a guy who lifts weights hard. This is a guy who won the belt. This is the guy who did this. These are the kind of guys that I'm going to play with and I'm going to go to war with. And, and it's hard to replace a guy like that when he's struggling uh, because he still represents everything you believe in as a coach. You're, you're going to keep that guy. So hopefully that's the reason. And, and you know, you got to applaud Archie, and we're playing better basketball, so it's working. Thank you. You're welcome, Archie. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, I'll call you later, dude. I have our a con- mad crush on Archie Miller. and <laughs> Our conversations, Coach Archie, uh, have been really good lately. Appreciate I would, it. I don't know how much money I would pay to just like do one of these shows and have like a camera on Archie's face to watch the facial expressions when we would question something that they're doing. <laughs> just to see that reaction would be Dude, I'm telling hilarious. you, I, I'll be honest with you. It'll piss him off because it pisses us off when anyone questions what we do. It totally would. I mean, it does. You ask your dad, you know, your, your dad is a coach. Anyone who questions, even if we even if we admit we make a mistake, oh, we should have guarded this ball screen a different way, this ball screen a different way, because we didn't try to make the right decision. And then, you know, usually it's some uh, – I won't even give you another drop. But it's usually, it's usually somebody who – who played back when they had peach baskets that are telling us, you know, what we need to do. Yeah, uh, he, Archie would not like it, but it's all right. When our, I go to the our, when I go to the fantasy camp, I'm gonna tell him that we were we were the <laughs> some of the people questioning his starting lineups. As oh, a man, preface No, no, as a preface to how much I appreciated his answer about it. But just <laughs> I would love to see his because sometimes, man, the face the face that he gets sometimes when there's questions asked that kind of question a premise of how he's coaching the team. The look of just <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, why are you asking me this question? Man, I tell you, getting media passes with Delphi Bracketology, you can definitely tell who the winning coach is and who the losing coach is. It doesn't matter if it's at Mackey Arena or Champagne where I've been or uh, Big Ten, at the, the Crossroads Classics. Hey, the coaches who win, they'll laugh and joke <laughs> and talk a little longer. And those coaches that aren't, they're like, they're ticked at everything. You know, what did you see? I saw the game. I saw we lost. I mean, it's crazy hilarious. And I've been there, too. Like, you don't want to talk to us media types when you lose a game. Oh, man. Izzo is probably the most extreme of them all. Oh, yeah. He is. <laughs> all right, Coach, go get some rest. Go win your game tomorrow night. Hopefully West Lafayette wins, too. And then we've got the – I don't know who I'm going to root for in that game. I'm. I've, oh, I, man. Yeah, and you called us Mark Turgeon. <laughs> I want this out on the podcast, too. <laughs> Delphi Bracketology – it's not Mark Turgeon. I almost protested the show tonight. You think it's Mark Turgeon? No. You think what we do is you Mark know, Turgeon? You know where that came from, right? I think we're 13th in the state. Yes. Uh, you're and they're 13th. 13th in Ken Palm. Yes. Andy's 11th, so he's Kelvin Sampson. And you guys are 13th, so you're Mark Turgeon. Sometimes it's fun to do, and sometimes it works out better than others. <laughs> that one was, I thought, especially funny. <laughs> However, the, the drop of Delphi Bracketology is not Mark Turgeon is definitely going to be pulled. Hey, if we hadn't had a bad year last year, we still would have been number one, and then we would have been Kansas, and then I would have been fired because of the stripper <laughs> poles in high school and all that stuff, and, and Snoop Dogg smoking at the thing. I would have been fired, so I guess I'd rather be Mark Turgeon than Kansas. Yo, this is Snoop Dio Double Dizzle. All right, folks. How late? How long can we keep Coach online here? Because we're gonna we're, we, the drops just get better the longer Coach stays on. <laughs> Dude, I love this. I love the post game show. This isn't even the post game show. Heard <laughs> a post 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 show. Mrs. Tonsoni <laughs> loves it too because it keeps me away. 
<laughs> the longer you keep me on here, then the more time she gets to read or do whatever librarians do. Oh, hey, man. On, on a serious note, Jared, and I just want to uh, – Mrs. Mrs. Tonson in our English department do something that's really incredible. It's called This I Believe. Every student writes a This I Believe essay. We pick four winners every class, 16 young people. We have a spoken uh, poetry uh, segment, some music, and, and video uh, submission, and, and really uh, – we, we believe in young people at IU basketball, but young people can do incredible things if you let them have some chance to state their opinions and creativity, both as coaches and as teachers. Kudos to my wife uh, and her fellow English department. And, and I know there's lots of great things that go on across the country uh, with education, but uh, we were at the Opera House tonight, and I was moved to tears uh, hearing um, some of the stories and the adversity that our young people ha- have overcome here at Delphi. Uh, and we need to get, uh, I'll end this, but young people are pretty awesome and they deal with a lot of stuff, uh, and, and they can do some great things. So believe in your educators, uh, and believe in, in young people cause they're incredible. Um, it was a very emotional night, two hours worth of, uh, just incredible, incredible belief statements by, by some young people. And it just makes me all fired up to, to keep being positive about the Hoosiers and some other things. So. Uh, and what you do, what you do with your students at Delphi Bracketology, which is, you know, you could look at it as like silly. We're ranking college basketball teams, but as you know, it's about so much more than that. The experience, the critical well, thinking, you. all the other stuff that they're doing. So, you know, the community you. that you guys have built around that. So you're doing, you're doing amazing work. And I know you do. I mean, I, I see some of the tweets sometimes that come from your students and your ex students. I mean, you've clearly built some long time relationships, which are, I got, uh, I need to let you go, but I got a tweet from a former player of mine. He goes, my morning uh, consists of a humorous read through Delphi Brackett's uh, Twitter feed to see what all the idiots have to say about why you haven't seeded their team. I get, it's just, yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I, I really appreciate being an educator. It's a frustrating time across the country being an educator, but the kids are the reason. Um, but, yeah, we, we had to block someone from Delphi Bracketology for using language or Twitter for using some bad language towards our kids, but good. That's not, that's uncalled for. Dominic said, you guys should have a friendly wager. If Western plays West Lafayette in the sectional final, oh, uh, I don't, we don't need that. I'm that's, you know, that's hard. Cause you know, I love West Lafayette. My old coach is still there. Coach Wood. So I obviously want to see them do well, but you know, we want to see coach win. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. I, that's one of those impossible games. You know, how do you, how do you pick? That's like, if you know, it's not exactly the same, but like when parents are watching, you know, two kids play against each other, like I just want to see a great game, you know, but man, if we knew that matchup was for sure, I mean, we got to take care of business. We'd fly you guys in, do a little post game. Oh man. You can interview your old coach <laughs> and you'd yeah. really have some drops if we didn't win it. That would I would, be... I'd be like Archie Miller. No, Jared, <laughs> we didn't mean to not block out in that last play. Yeah, we didn't coach that, Jared. Uh, I'd love to see Coach Wood's face if you ever heard me criticize someone for defense. Or <laughs> All you did was shoot it, Morris. Come on, don't be a hypocrite. All right, <clears throat> Coach. All right, I got some bracketology stuff to work on. That's right. Get a good bracket out. I'm not out. Mark Turgeon for crying out loud. <laughs> Hey, get those. I am now. I'm motivated more than ever. Get, get those rankings I ain't up. no Mark Turgeon. <laughs> I know Mark Turgeon. <laughs> you are not. I Mark ain't Turgeon. no Mark. Turgeon. You are not Mark. Neither Turgeon. are my kids. You are not. All right, all right, everybody. You, thanks for being here. Great, great talking to you, Coach. 
And good luck tomorrow night. Oh, coach is gone. See you, everybody. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with the ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle. <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.